Kia ora. Welcome to the Arise Church podcast. For more details, you can find us at arisechurch.com. But right now, we're going to hear from our senior leader, Ben Kendrew. We hope you enjoy today's message. Lord, we thank You for this this noble call to become more like You, Jesus. We thank You that You are our example. You are our guide. You are the model for us to follow, to not just have a healthy life ourselves, but to make an eternal impact in our world. So I'm praying today, Lord, that You would speak to us. Lord, as much as possible that I would get out the way and You would share into hearts. And God, that we would walk out equipped to become just a bit more like You today. In Jesus' mighty Name, Amen. 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 Well, I want to read a, a few Scriptures this morning and uh, all, uh, well, the first three from the Gospels and then one from Colossians. It's kind of our theme Scripture for the series. Firstly, I want to read from Matthew chapter 16 and it's Jesus speaking and He says to the disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you have to give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your own life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What will you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? In the Gospel of John, in chapter 14, verse 15 records that Jesus said, If you love me, obey my commandments. Simple, <laughs> but pretty, pretty convicting. Back to Matthew. And we've talked about this uh, quite a lot in the last season of our church, our call for every Christian and for the church, the Great Commission. Jesus said to His disciples again, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all the nations, baptise them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Check this verse today. Teach these new disciples to obey all my commands. Be sure of this. I am with you always even to the end of the age. And you would have seen, hopefully you caught it in the video as we began today. Colossians 3.10 says, put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. We know Jesus, not for head knowledge, not to be proud of our theological understanding, not to have arguments on Facebook, we, we come to know Jesus so that we can become more like Him, so we can have an impact for Him, like Him, in your family, in your workplace, in your university, in your school, in your neighbourhood. We want to be like Jesus so that we can have a Jesus impact. And He said, take up your cross and follow me. If you love me, obey me. Teach those who come to know me to obey. Becoming like Christ, it requires obedience. That's actually really challenging in 2023 because we like to make our own way. <laughs> Parents know this to be true with our children and God is our heavenly Father and knows it to be true with you and I. I know that I will often head in my own direction first and need to be course corrected, redirected, challenged and convicted. Obey my commandments. Follow my roadmap. 
You know, in any good story, a novel or maybe in a, in a movie or a series that you're following, and I thought about this yesterday going over the message again, even in a, in a reality kind of series where it's real people, even if you're following Drive to Survive, I'm a, I'm a late bloomer on Formula One. I'm, I'm all in now. It's amazing. Uh, but you think I'm more like that guy or she resembles me. In any good story, you find yourself enveloped in a character, right? You wanna identify with someone in it, their mannerisms, their responses, usually their best parts. Oh yeah, look at them. Oh, I'm, I'm like them. And then occasionally, internally at least, we're, we're challenged that we're like, ooh, I'm, I may be a bit, a bit more like that. I mean, over the years, to share openly with the church, I've wanted to identify more with Jack Bauer from 24, where in any single day, the world is about to implode and I will save it. <laughs> I died three times today, medically speaking, but here I am in series 17 doing it again. But I realise that probably oftentimes I'm more like the people that are frustrating Jack in his endeavours. <laughs> Over the years, I've thought I was, I was more like Jake Peralta, that fun-loving New York City cop. <laughs> But um, thankfully, I'm not that much of an idiot. For, for a few years, I did think I was Batman. Old, older than you probably thought. Um, not so much like 8 to 10, more like 18 to 38. <laughs> but um, I'm not an orphan and I don't have an English butler. So we, we want to see ourselves in our story you realise we actually do that with the Bible as well? And that's okay. We, we, it's the living Word of God. It comes alive. And, and oftentimes, particularly in the, in the narrative aspects of the Bible, parts of the Old Testament throughout the Gospels and the book of Acts, we find ourselves in it. What would I do? How would I respond? And that's one of the ways that the Word of God convicts us, challenges us, shapes us, leads our path to go, well, maybe I would do this, but I should do this. That's the way the Word of God can impact us. Sometimes we like to think we're Paul, but we're maybe closer to Saul. Sometimes maybe vulnerably we realise I'm, I'm not like Noah. I'm more like one of his sons that didn't get things quite right. Or yes, I understand David, but not King David, mighty warrior David, maybe the, the broken and contrite David. Yeah. We can find ourselves in, in the Scriptures. And I guess the series is to say that the character we should most aspire to identify with, become like, have our life shaped in the mould of, is Jesus Christ. God and man, the Son of Man. You can learn from David. We should learn from Moses. There's great things to take out of the life of Deborah and Mary. But if there's one person that has ever walked the face of the earth for you and I to do everything we can to become like, to try and live in 2023 in the city of Dunedin, if there's one person I should emulate and imitate, it's Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We are Christians. A simple definition is little Christ, like Jesus. That's our call. That's, that's what we've decided. If I've said you are my Lord and Saviour, I follow Jesus. It's not just really a title or a placard. It's a decision to say, as the Gospels say, less of me, 
less of Ben, more of Christ. Less of my humanity, more of His Spirit outwork within my life. And the cool thing is that we have uh, at least three years of His life here on earth to dig in, to study, to try and understand again, not so I can win some sort of great debate, but so I can become like Him and make an impact like Him. It's the daily pursuit for every Christian to live like Jesus, to respond like Jesus, to interact with others that we know and love and others that we cross paths with like Jesus, to make our decisions like Jesus, to to challenge people in our life like Jesus, and to comfort and care for and accept people in our life like Jesus to love like Jesus. That is the whole journey of discipleship. And I guess I just want to encourage someone today. Maybe it's one of our friends in Masterton. Maybe someone here at the Arise Centre or wherever you may be tuning in from around the world online today. Do not be discouraged that this is a lifelong journey while we're here on earth. Do not feel like I'm never going to get there because you're right. We will never fully attain a complete Christ-likeness whilst here on earth. But that's the joy of the journey, that we pursue it with everything we've got. That I'm more like Him today than yesterday and three years ago and 10 years ago and tomorrow and in three years' time and in 10 years' time, I'm more like Him than I am today. That's the joy of the journey. That's, that's That's discipleship. Discipleship is the refining process by which a Christian becomes more like Jesus every day of our life. It's just refining, just getting a little bit less of me, a little bit more of Him. And we make disciples, as the Great Commission calls us, by encouraging and helping one another to become more like Him the way that Scripture gives us the example. That is the Great Commission. Help others know Christ so they can become like Christ. We're actually not done when someone lifts their hand or prays that prayer with you uh, in a lounge room or in the workplace and says, yes, Jesus, I make You Lord and Saviour of my life. I follow You. That is a holy, profound, powerful moment where our heart is open and repentance happens and turns toward Christ. But as His followers, as His disciples, we don't leave that person there when they've turned toward Christ. We help them with the next step toward Christ and the next step toward Christ as we too are journeying to become like Christ. That's our call. We pray as He taught us to pray, let Your Kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And last week in our Christchurch campus, one of our incredible team there, Ferg Turnbull preached and one little line he said that I was like, I'm using that next week. That's amazing. He said, Jesus is the walking, talking, living example of that kingdom we pray for in the earthly, worldly kingdom. And we've got, we've got a few books and then we've got 2,000 years of study and prayer for us to glean from, to say, how can I become more like Jesus? He's the model, He's the example, He's the go-to. That's why the Apostle Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And that, by the way, is not just for someone who has a title like pastor 
or, or shepherd or teacher or, or whatever leadership title someone may have, life group leader. It's not only imitate life group leader as they imitate Christ. You, Christian believer, you are the example of Jesus for someone this week. Tomorrow, someone is gonna look at you and it may be the only example of Christ they get and we get that privilege. Imitate me as I, as I imitate Christ. I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase in church life before, dusty Christian. I've heard it a few times over my years of following Jesus, some incredible teaching and unpacking of this. And I'm sure you could do a quick search and find something about dusty Christian. But the premise is, the premise is that in biblical times for a a Jewish person with their rabbi, that they actually would, would get dusty, literal dust on them because of how closely they followed their rabbi as they walked on dirty, dusty streets. So it's a clever phrase. It's not a Christian that's been sitting on the shelf too long doing nothing. (laughs) If you're that dusty Christian, I'm praying today is gonna stir you. Amen, I mean it. Some of us may be here today and just let the Holy Spirit convict us in that moment. I've known Jesus for decades and I've been sitting on a shelf gathering the wrong dust. We should be covered in the dust of our rabbi our teacher, our Lord, Lord, uh, you reign in my life. You are king, you are number one. I'm so close to you that I'm getting the dust from your Nazarene sandals on my heart, on my life, on my thoughts, on my actions, on my language, covered in dust. Following the footsteps of him so closely, it requires obedience. Those were like three verses that I pulled out of the Gospels that say obey, follow, obey, teach them to obey. You're gonna read the whole New Testament and find obedience over and over and over again. And you know what? I was like, wow, do you start a series by saying, hey, four weeks about obedience. (laughs) Is that gonna motivate people? It doesn't matter about motivating people. What matters is about changing our life to become like Jesus. If that's what He's called us to do, then that's what I have to say on the microphone. And that's what we have to do on Monday to Saturday. Eugene Peterson referred to discipleship as a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. That is our journey. It's not a formula, a step-by-step plan, but there are some distinctives that are evident of a person who's trying to become like Christ. Here's five distinctives of a Jesus follower. Someone, some of the dust that should be on us. We are constantly growing in our personal relationship with God. We are trying to know and then live from Scripture. And I think that one is huge for us today because I can get a lot of content in the first five minutes of my day on a device. And then will I live and know that content Or will I live and know the breathing, active, shaping, convicting, challenging Word of God? Another distinctive, we should engage with those that don't know Christ. That's what He went about doing while on earth. If we think that once we've become a Christian, I can become more like Christ, but actually until He takes me to heaven, I have nothing to do with those that don't know Him. We're not becoming like Christ. We're not following His example. That's part of the dust that should be on us. We should be living in community with other believers. So it's not either or, either or. 
I, I only interact with those that don't know Him and therefore I might be getting influenced and shaped and, and impacted by their worldview. I also need to be in community with other believers, but I don't just live in community with other believers. I, I, I don't wanna get in a silo and, and get in an echo chamber and kind of lose the fact that Jesus, Jesus was with the believers and He spent time and He encouraged and, and then He's with these people who some of the believers say, what are, you doing with, what are you doing with those people? You don't go with those people. And these people are like, why do you spend time with them? They, they're always so critical of me and, and both end. And finally, we equip others to follow Christ. That's some of the dust that should be on us, helping someone, helping someone. And again, this is not just about models of church leadership. Parent, you should be equipping your children to know Christ and become like Him. Employer, Christian employer, you can and should be doing what we can to equip those in our workplace to know Jesus and become more like Him. And when two of the disciples had the boldness and confidence to step out in faith because they, they were probably literally in parts of their life, but figuratively covered in the dust of Jesus, we read in Acts chapter three and four that they pray with faith for a crippled person to be healed and it causes this, cre- this uproar, creates this uproar. People looked at them and acknowledged there wasn't anything particularly special about them. And and in particular, it wasn't really their advanced learning and understanding of the Scripture. What they acknowledged was who they had been with. These people had been with Jesus. Acts 4.13, members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They could see they were ordinary men, no special training in the Scriptures. And they also recognised these men had been with Jesus. As I wrote that this week, uh, actually now, Two or so weeks ago, I felt the Holy Spirit say, can someone look at your life, not in a rise church who knows your interim lead pastor title, can someone in your neighbourhood, Ben, someone that you interact with this week, look at you and say, I think he's, he's been with Jesus. Yeah, right. Is he one of those Christians? Yeah. Is there something that is evident? The dust should be evident. But hear me, this whole series, is, it's not about behaviour modification. Becoming like Christ is not about behaviour modification. It's about a heart transformation. Becoming like Christ is about heart. It's about holiness. It's about obedience. It's about humbly pursuing His ways and constantly laying down our ways. Take up your cross. Cross, wait, symbol of execution. Nail things to the cross for them to die. That's becoming like Christ. If you love me, I love you, Jesus. Cool, obey me. Do the things I've asked you to do, not not what the world's asking you to do. Obedience, sacrifice, laying down of my own will. These are heart postures. It's not really behaviour. Because I could obey in behaviour for a while, but if my heart's not there, then eventually I'll just come back to Ben's ways, the world's ways, not Christ's ways. Help us grasp what this looks like in in our last few moments today. I want to return to the the example, the analogy I gave at the start, that we find ourselves in the story. But I want to say today, as you read passage, not just today, I'll give one example, but as you open particularly the Gospels over the coming weeks, 
I want to ask that you don't just say, I identify most with that character, which is okay. Maybe there's something that the Holy Spirit's saying, you are like that disciple, that person, you, you have something there. I want you to look at the Scriptures and say, what does Jesus do here? How did, how did He handle things? His interactions, His heart displayed through His language. Remember, we're taught in the Word that from the heart, the mouth speaks. So what Jesus is saying shows us His heart. So His language matters, His care and love for people, His faith and belief in His Father God, His understanding of the goodness and power of God and that the Holy Spirit can move, His responses to how other people respond. As you read Scripture, I wanna encourage you, I wanna urge you, I wanna take a moment to teach our church to say, dig into Scripture, and yeah, it's a cheesy bracelet that did the rounds for the 1990s, but ask the question, what would Jesus do? What did He do here in this thing? So that on Tuesday at work, that's how Jesus responded. This situation is happening here. Okay, I'll try that. Ooh, geez, that's not what I've done for 46 years. Take up my cross. Obey me. I wanna give one example today. I urge you to do the same throughout the week. I'm not gonna read the whole story. In John chapter four, we read about Jesus' interaction with the Samaritan woman at the well. It's one of my favourite. I think, I mean, if, I, I don't know if you'll catch it. This is on in my current Bible, just scribbled all over, notes all over it. Like this story has wrecked me for years and years and years. And, and part of it is it's not just about Jesus and a woman at a well. It's also about Jesus with His disciples. Then it's also about Jesus with the townspeople from where the woman lived. And it's also about Jesus, the son of man, the man part of Jesus, because He's hungry, hot and tired. Yeah. <laughs> I get that, yeah. apart from hot, because it's June in Aotearoa, New Zealand, <laughs> and it's freezing. Dunedin, what is it, like minus 62 today? <laughs> Let me give you a quick rundown if you don't know this story. Jesus and the disciples are travelling. They are moving from place to place. It, it doesn't read our understanding, commentary, theological study will, will, will usually agree on this one. They weren't planning to stop at this well and this town for a long period of time. They were on the move. They, interact, they, they come to a well in the heat of the day and the, the disciples go to get physical food from the town. And he sit, Jesus sits at the well and a woman is there to collect water in the heat of the day. That's not normal. In that culture, they would get that in the morning, early in the cool of the day, collect the water for their day, for cooking, cleaning, for their day to day. Part of the reason she was probably at the well at the heat of the day was to avoid confrontation, gossip, gossip slander, because we find out as she talks with Jesus that she's had five husbands, five relationships. She's onto the sixth. And, and we recognise that would not go down well in that time, in that culture, in that place. And we might now be a little more gracious, we think, of someone onto their sixth marriage, but actually we have other things or that kind of thing that we cast our judgments, cast our aspersions. So we may already be convicted by how did Jesus respond. He strikes up conversation. He's a Jewish rabbi. She's a Samaritan woman. That's weird. They shouldn't really interact. That's not normal cultural behaviour. Disciples come back after he's had this interaction that has changed her life and she's running back to testify of the goodness of God. But the disciples are like, what, what happened here? This is a bit weird. They are stunned. One version says, are shocked. If you actually unpack some of the Greek there, it's like disgusted or, or astounded that Jesus 
Jesus would even communicate with this woman. So even the disciples, like you and me, the guys that hang out that have His dust on them are like, ooh, what's He doing there? So they get convicted about that as Jesus politely but strongly confronts them about the opportunity for the Gospel to be preached, about the harvest is not in four months' time, it's right now. And, and they, say, they say, Jesus, we've got lunch. And Jesus says, I don't need your lunch. Uh, my food is to do the will of my Father. And they're basically, it says in the Bible, who brought Him lunch? Like who got the, they're still thinking carnal, natural. That's you and me. That's me all the time that I'm thinking in the carnal, natural. And God is trying to say, lift your eyes to the heavens. Lift your understanding. My under, you don't think about things the way, that's their interaction. And then we read in just the last few verses, I think verse 40 or 38 to 42, that He spends extra days in the town because they are amazed by the work of Jesus. And many come to know Him. A town has a revival. The Bible gives it two verses. I'm like, come on. All of Macedon could stop and come to know what Jesus is doing. (laughs) And He gave them some extra time. So that shows us something. So here we go. The woman, Jesus interacts with grace, love, compassion. He meets her felt needs in her heart. He he comes with conviction and life change, but out of love, not judgment and condemnation. He does what He tells the disciples to do in Luke 10, where He says, go out and bless people and then fellowship with people. He interacted with her and then meet their needs and then share the Gospel, the Kingdom of Heaven. You read that in Luke 10. We often go, hey, you need the Gospel, the Kingdom of Heaven. And would you just tidy up your life? That's how, we, that's how we interact with people. We don't say it. I hope you don't. <laughs> but it can be our interaction. They need, to, they need the gospel. They need the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus said, bless them, hang out with them, meet their needs, open their heart. William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, said soup and soap before salvation. Meet a need. Show the love of Jesus. That's, we're becoming like Him. We're becoming like Him. As I become like Christ, how do I interact and treat people who may be on the outer of society, who may have made some big mistakes, who may not live the way Jesus has called them to live yet? How do I interact? Oh yeah, let the penny drop. For the disciples, which I think many of us in, the, in church today, tuning in online today as Christian believers, we would say, I identify there. I recognise them. They've been following Jesus, listening to His words. They want to become like Him. What does Jesus do with them? He has to challenge, rebuke, change their mindset, change their thinking, be renewed. Be renewed because of your mind. He's trying to do that with them. They're thinking about the carnal, temporal things like, I'm physically hungry. Who got Jesus some food? And He's saying, I've forgotten about lunch because I just saw the kingdom come to earth in this woman's life. I'm sustained by the will of God. So our question is, as I'm becoming like Christ, how do I interact with other believers, other followers? And what do I focus on? Do I focus on the temporary like the disciples or do I focus on the eternal like Jesus? These are good questions for us as we become like Jesus. And then as I said, He spends time in the town and Jesus' interaction in the townspeople is welcoming and gracious and He gives extra time and energy to serve and to minister. He goes out of His way. He inconveniences Himself. He changes His plans for the sake of these who don't know His Father when He could have made it all about Himself. 
The woman runs back, testifies about what God has just done in her life. And he, should, he could go, yeah, great. Praying for you guys. Peace out. I'm on a missionary missions trip, ministry trip. I got a place to be. And he stops and he pauses for days and he, and he ministers. So as I'm becoming like Christ, how do I approach the lost searching people in my world? Do I focus on my ready-made plans? What I've already got organised in my calendar and my preferences, I would rather do these things, but for the sake of a lost and broken generation, I will change my plans. I will lay down my preferences. I will nail them to a cross and I will do what Jesus did. I will meet, I will, I will spend time now. Someone in some service today, Dunedin, here in Wellington, maybe in Masterton, someone needs your time in the foyer, real time, eye-focused, heart conversation, prayer, interaction. And I know you've got lunch waiting, but that could be the kingdom of heaven coming to earth in that moment. And then we gotta do it on Tuesday when someone in our world is actually searching Maybe they heard testimony from their family member about what God's done in their life. Then it says the townspeople urged, begged Jesus to stay. And they're basically saying, don't you go to that church on Sunday? Don't you tune in? You always post about how you tune in to arise online and you get a chance to do what Jesus did with the townspeople. And in our locations today, wasn't the worship team joined me? Remember Jesus, we'll read about it in John 4. He was physically tired, he was hot and he was hungry. That's the human part of Jesus. Fully God, fully man. But So I actually wonder, does he wanna have a conversation with this woman in the fully man part? And does he wanna spend extra time in this town that he wasn't going to hang out in? Probably not. But not my will, but yours be done. That was his theme. We see it most when he comes to the cross and prays, Father, not my will, but yours be done. But we actually see it all through the Gospels. There'll be a cost to obedience. There'll be a cost to discipleship, to sacrifice. So it, will, it will cost us something. Maybe our pride, our selfish ambition. Maybe it'll cost us personal preference, comfort, convenience. Maybe it will cost us some reputation in 2023. That you, that you would dare to live like Jesus lived. But remember what we read at the start? If you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Do we give our whole selves to Christ? When I was a teenager in youth group, uh, I loved music. I still love music and I loved it. I was in bands and did music at school and at church. And then if we would go on a youth group trip, I was always DJ in the van with the discman with that lead that went in. <laughs> Everyone under 30 is like, couldn't stream anything. Didn't have a phone, man. <laughs> and I'd choose the stuff and I'd play the music. And on one trip, my youth pastor challenged me on some of my music choices that was so poor for a, just for a Christian to listen to, but especially for going on a youth group trip in the van. And I was like, hey, I appreciate your Bible studies on Thursday nights. And I, I like all the stuff that we do. And I like that you take us to this conference or this camp or 
we got a skate park at church. I like all that, but you don't really talk to me about my music. I'm in a band, you know, like <laughs> that's my part of my life. You don't, need to, you don't need to address. Now, as a dad, having done 12 years in youth and young adult ministry, I was like, man, we need to speak to people about what they consume through their ears and through their eyes. I would always be like, I just like the riff. I like the beat. Don't worry about the lyrics. But then I'd find myself humming the lyrics back. I'd listen to these things that were like, obviously from such a place of brokenness. And I'm like, I've got beautiful family. Mum and dad are together. I actually get on pretty good with my brothers most of the time. And this guy is talking about like dark, deep stuff. What? So now I can say, oh God, talk to me about my influence, my media consumption, my stuff. I got people that will say, why do you guys watch that? But is there another area of my life now? Is there anything where I haven't laid it down and obey Christ? Is there anything in our heart that we say, you don't need to address that one God. I'll let this stuff come, become like you, but not that stuff. Is there any part of our life that we won't let the dust of Jesus get on? That we won't follow close enough. I believe today is a day of saying, you can have it all, God. I believe this series is gonna help us understand what it is to gain the kingdom, <laughs> not the things of this world. Where do you need to choose to obey today? Where in your life are you not in submission to the teachings and way of Jesus? Romans 6.16 says, don't you realise you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey? So you can be a slave to sin, which will lead to death, or you can choose to obey God and that will lead to righteous living. Whatever we obey, we are slave to. Thank you for joining us for the Arise Church podcast. We hope this message has blessed you. For more content or resources, visit arisechurch.com. Matiwa, see you soon.